as we go to start today's message, um, I'm thinking back to last week. I was doing my devos, and one of the things that I like to do um, when I'm doing my devotions is to read from different translations. Um, you know, I've grown up uh, reading the Bible. I've read the Bible cover to cover many times, um, and so NIV, New King James, those are uh, translations that I start reading a verse and I can finish it in my head. But I find that when I read um, another translation, sometimes it, it breaks me out of the routine of reading. So I was reading in the message translation, which is a bit of a paraphrase, I believe. Um, and I was reading in Colossians chapter 3, and I felt like the Holy Spirit really uh, spoke to me, and that is where today's message comes from. Um, said here in Colossians 3, it says, So, if you are serious about living the new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up, be alert to what's going on around Christ. That is where the action is. See things from his perspective. And as I read that verse, I literally just had to stop. And I had to go back and reread it. And it talked about don't shuffle around with your eyes to the ground, absorbed with just what's in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is see things from his perspective. And I just thought, for me, uh, with the quarantine rules going on and you can't leave and, and, and you can't go places, I felt like my perspective was naturally, my view was naturally coming down towards my own feet, towards what's going on. All of my kids are in the house. That's enough to keep me focused and busy, um, no school, everyone's home, and I just keep looking there. And that scripture reminded me I need to lift up and I need to see things from God's perspective. I need to see what is it that God says about the situation. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 says, I pray that your eye, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Today, uh, we're going to talk about hope. The Bible says, and Paul prayed, he said, I pray that Christians, when he was speaking to the church in Ephesus, he said, I pray that you would know the hope. And then he goes on to describe it, and he says it's the hope to which you've been called and the riches of the glorious inheritance that you have from God. What is hope? The dictionary says hope is a feeling of expectation. It's a desire for a certain thing to happen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about how about those who sleep in death, 
so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. There is a huge difference between someone with hope and someone without. I was recently at a funeral and saw uh, some family members who were not Christians. And it was so interesting to me to see and contrast the perspective of those who were there and knew what the future held for the deceased and for themselves and those who were there who had no idea to whom it was all a mystery. God says we are to have hope. Let us not be like those who have no hope. What is hope? Hope is a picture of the future seen in the present. It's a picture of a desired future seen in the present. And I was thinking, what do people without hope look like? And, and I feel like God gave me an image. So how many of you have ever watched a movie with a young child? I remember, I remember the first time that I went to the movies. When we were growing up, uh, for a long time we didn't have a TV. I remember visiting my aunt and uncle. They had one. Um, we just, I just didn't watch a lot of television uh, until I was a little over the age of eight. But around that age, I remember um, my dad took me to a movie. I remember uh, the guy Dave... Uh, who we went with, and he had a daughter that was my same age, and we went to see the Disney movie, The Goonies. This was my first time going to a movie. Now, those of you who've seen the movie know this is a family film. It's a story about a bunch of little kids who find pirate treasure, and they go through this like long tunnel, and they have adventures along the way, and it's, it's not meant to be a scary movie. What happened to me, though, as a kid, was... There was a moment, and every movie has them, when the, the, the music changes and the director is trying to create some suspense and they, they focus on you know, some dangerous element there. I got so afraid during that little moment in the movie that I literally got down from my chair and crawled underneath the theater seat in front of me. I was so afraid. And I remember years later watching that movie again, expecting there to be a very scary scene, and there wasn't at all. There was just this little bit. And, and I think about the times with my own kids that we've, we've watched movies, and, and we have to say to them, we've, you know, some of them, the younger one, will we'll, we'll get worked up about what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And we have to tell them, don't worry. It's going to be okay. In that moment of when the director is purposely showing you the danger, the music has changed, the suspense is building. As adults, we've watched so many movies, we already know how to keep hope. Oh, it's the hero, you know, his name's on the cover of, you know, I know he's not going to die. I can sit back and wait and see what's going to happen. 
I don't have to be afraid for the outcome. I can enjoy the, the action. But sometimes kids, they don't understand that. They don't have hope. And as soon as the direction of the situation goes towards that suspense, they're confident that it's going to turn out badly. I see that as some of us are like that in our lives. We react like the children to a movie. The suspense builds, something doesn't go right, and immediately our mind goes to the worst possible scenario. And we forget to have hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So it says, set your hope. Set, place, put. That is an action. We set our hope. Many of us consider hope to be a feeling. As I was preparing for this, I went and checked. Facebook has that little feelings thing where you can tell it how you're feeling. Hope is in there. Hopeful is one of them. They have a little flower next to it. When we think of feelings, we often think of something that happens to us. And the world describes love this way. Oh, I fall into love and then I can fall out of love. But we recognize the truth is love is a choice. And similarly, hope can also be a choice. Sure, there are situations that inspire hope. But even when you're not in one of those situations, you can still set your hope. The Bible says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. Hope is a choice. Romans 8.25 says, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This verse is talking about, we don't even use the term hope for something that we already have. We recognize hope involves a future. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then it goes into a list of ancients, the people from the Old Testament, who had had faith. Faith is the confidence in hope. Hope is that picture of the future outcome that we desire. Faith is the confidence that that hope we have is well-founded, that it will come to pass. How do we go from a hopeful future that we do not have a guarantee of or a sense of guarantee to a faith-filled perspective that does allow us to recognize that that future is coming. How do we go from hope to faith? 
The Bible says in Hebrews 11, By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. There it is. Because she considered him faithful who made the promise. See, Sarah had received a promise. She was old. She had already uh, <clears throat> gone through menopause, was not able to get pregnant anymore, and she receives a visit from the angel of the Lord who says, you're going to have a child. And the Bible says that she had faith and she received that child. She received that which she was hoping for because she had faith. Her hope turned to faith. How did it become faith? Because she considered him faithful who promised. If my friend, if me, Joshua Vanderklok, says something to you, you can hope. But if God says something to you, you can trust. You can know that it's going to happen. And I just want to encourage you to take that faith or take the hope and convert that to faith. How do we do that? Let's look. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It is God's word that brings faith. God's word is what inspires faith. If we, we, can't, we can't have faith without his word. His word brings that to us every time when we fill our hearts with the word of God, he will fill our hearts with faith. The Bible says in uh, Psalms 1, verse 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor, uh, nor stand in the way of sinners, take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. The Bible describes, you and I, we want to be that person. And it says his leaf does not wither and whatever he does he prospers. I want that to be true of me. Whatever I put my hand to do, it prospers. The Bible says, how did they get there? They meditated on God's word day and night. Psalms 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. In his word, I hope. Psalms 119 verse 81 says, my soul longs for your salvation. I hope in your word. When we see God's word, when we read his promises about us, we can grow in hope and that hope can grow into faith when we recognize that he is faithful. So if you are watching today on a computer and you have the ability to continue listening while you open another window, here I have some homework for you. I want you to go to Google 
and just type in who I am in Christ scriptures. Or you could write Bible promise scriptures. And then for those who are watching on their phones and may not have the ability to flip over and open something else, copy and paste a scripture that has a promise from God. Stick it in the comments so that those watching that uh, can't pause like that can see that. I want you to go to the Word, find scriptures, find verses that talk about what God has promised for you. If we want to have hope, we have to focus on God's Word. Hope will not come by accident. Hope will come when we set our hearts on God's promises. It's interesting, David, right before he killed Goliath, he was on the verge of accomplishing what God had planned for him, what God desired for him. He's right there on the cusp of it. He shows up, he sees Goliath out there uh, cursing the Israelites, and he begins to ask, hey, what will be done for the person who fights Goliath? And the people start to tell him all the good things that will happen. You get to, to uh, you don't have to pay taxes anymore. That's a win. Um, you get uh, a big financial payout. Oh, and you get to marry the king's daughter, who, by the way, is beautiful. And he's like, okay, I'm liking this. And then, verse 28 says, Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there no cause? Then, this is the verse I want you to notice, verse 30. Then he turned from his brother towards another and said to him the same, and these people answered him the same as the first ones did. See, David understood something. Uh, he saw an opportunity. God had inspired a hope in David of an outcome. He saw that, that giant and he realized, hey, this giant is cursing God. He's cursing Israel. God will back whoever goes against him. Why shouldn't it be me? And David has hope for the future. His brother comes and tries to discourage him, tries to tell him, oh no, you... You are just a little shepherd boy. Who'd you leave those sheep with? He tries to remind him of his past. When David was being inspired by God to focus on a future that wasn't even guaranteed yet as far as anybody else knew, but David had hope and he turned that into faith and he stepped out and he delivered Israel that day. Philippians 4.8 talks about whatsoever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. We need to practice having hope in God's promises. Because when it's a hope in God's promise, then it becomes faith-filled. And then it's no longer just a hope. Then 
It's something that we have faith for, and it becomes a guarantee. And when we practice having the positive picture of our future, then you're going to realize that when difficult situations come up, you already see the positive outcome. We've used the example of watching a movie. When, when you watch a movie and the bad guys come from every direction, you're not afraid. Why? Because you trust in the history of watching movies that it's going to turn out okay. So you sit back and you enjoy. When life throws a curveball at you, and I was trying to think of different times when I have been in difficult situations and the peace of God was there because the hope. I've, I've been uh, arrested in communist Cuba, put in a, a jail there. I remember the peace that came with trusting and knowing the hope of the outcome, whatever it was. It, I knew it was going to be what God wanted for me. I, I knew I was going to be okay. I've been arrested there. I have been in a lot of places. And the story that I felt like I needed to share with you guys today um, took place when I was in high school. And uh, my buddy Clint and I, um, after a big snowstorm, saw these huge snowdrifts and we thought, hey, we've always wanted to sleep in a snow cave. This is our chance. Let's dig a cave out of the snow and we're going to sleep in that. So we did. We dug out this cave just big enough for the two of us to, to, to fit in. And then there was uh, had been an ice storm previously. So we took a slab of that ice and the snow that went with it and we plugged the door so that the wind wouldn't blow in. And we made a path just like an armhole um, out underneath a pine tree so the boughs would uh, allow oxygen in and the boughs would keep the snow from, from filling it over. And then that night turned out to be the coldest night of the whole year. It was negative 30 degrees uh, with wind chills way below that. And um, we, we slept in our little cave. There was another snowstorm that came in that night, totally filled in everything, uh, covered us up some more, but we were inside that cave and it was snug. In fact, we, we uh, brought some sleeping bags in there, left our, our snow pants and snow gear on and, and we were in that cave. And I remember at night we were talking and, and, and joking and breathing a lot and it warmed up the entire cave. And I remember reaching up and drawing on the ceiling and then we went to sleep. And when I woke up uh, later in the morning, the ceiling that used to be up here was right here. The entire cave was collapsing on us. And I woke up my buddy and I said, we gotta get out of here. Look at this, the, the, the ceiling is caving in. So we start crawling to the entrance and what we didn't plan for was the night before when we were talking and, and we had warmed up the entire snow cave, wetted, the, the, the sides had gotten wet. And then when we went to sleep, the space that stayed warm shrunk and the sides of the cave froze solid in that super freezing cold. And so what we thought was just going to be pushing through the snow and pushing the doorway was now frozen solid for a couple of inches. 
And so we're locked in ice in a collapsing ice cave. And my buddy is starting, he's chipping away. We had one of those little like hand rakes that you use in potted plants with the little three prongs. Well, that's what we were using to try and dig through. And he's cracking away at the ice. And I honestly don't know how long it took us to get through that ice. It probably wasn't 10 minutes, but it felt like a long time. And I remember in that moment, I said to him, I said, Clint, do you realize what an awesome story this is going to be? And his response to me was, how can you say that at a time like this? How can you be thinking about the story when we're living in this situation? I got to thinking about that and I realized that is hope. When the situation looks bad, but you can see beyond it, in my mind, I could see, you know what? We're going to break through. We didn't expect to be frozen in here. We didn't expect the ceiling to, to begin to collapse, but here we are, we're awake. We know it's coming. We're going to break through the ice. If we don't, we'll dig through the ceiling. Whatever it is, we're going to get through. I had hope that one way or another, we would get out. And so, yeah, I had peace even in what could have been a very, very stressful situation. God desires that we have hope in our situation. Notice when angels come to speak to someone in the Bible, I think of several examples, and it seems like every time they do that, they will declare a positive future to those that visit. Think about Gideon. Gideon is afraid. He's hiding. An angel shows up to him and says, mighty man of valor, valor or mighty warrior. That doesn't describe what's actually happening. No, it describes the way God sees it, the future God desired. And the angel spoke that which God desired for that situation. Mary, when she received a visitation from the Lord, the angel comes and says, highly favored of God, and begins to talk to her about all the positive future that's coming. Moses, when he saw the burning bush, God says to him, you're going to go and you're going to speak. And, and Moses, he, he struggled. He's like, wait a minute, you're describing me as though I'm an eloquent speaker. And Moses tries to argue with God. He says, but I'm not an eloquent speaker. And God says, you are what I say you are. I made your mouth. I love that verse. Yes. Who made your mouth? In other words, I can empower you to be anything and everything that I need you to be. Just believe. So, God wants our future to be a part of our present. That's what it means to have hope. When we're in these situations, when, when we don't know when we get to go back to our jobs, we don't know when uh, we can go back to normal, and, and when the news... So, the news is literally the opposite 
of hope in most cases. And if we allow ourselves to get filled with that negativity, then we, we will struggle to have faith. But here's the thing. Where does light shine the brightest? In the dark. Right now, we as Christians have an opportunity to be a light of hope. When, when we're surrounded by people who are just glued to the television, watching the negative things that are happening in every death and, and it's going to, there, there are people who are experiencing uh, trauma just from the news coverage of what's going on. It happened during 9-11 and that in comparison was pale because 9-11 was what happened to a couple of buildings in one city far away for most people. This is happening in everyone's communities and they're watching it on the news and they're getting focused on the negativity. And I just, I, I want you to have a picture like God sees. God says, hey, I have put you in the place that you are in with the family that you have, with the friends that you have to be a light, to be hope. I want to encourage you. God wants us to be dealers in hope. Do we have enough of God's word and his promises in our minds and in our hearts that they will come out in these situations? I, I think of the situation with David when he was out with his army and he came back and the city had been destroyed, burnt down, and their wives and children had been kidnapped. That's in 1 Samuel 30, verse uh, 3 through 6, and it says, um, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more tears to weep. And David's two wives um, had also been kidnapped. And then it says here in verse 6, it says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, that is, his soldiers, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters because they were rightfully grieved that their spouses and their kids were gone. But David, this is what it says, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. How did David strengthen himself in the Lord? Let's look in verse six, or excuse me, verse eight. It says, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue the raiding party? Will I overtake them? God answered, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and you will succeed in the rescue. David sought God's future for his situation, and then he went after it. The rest of the story is they did, they recovered all of their family plus so much more. I look at Psalms chapter 3, verse 2. This is written by the same man who learned those lessons. He says, Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Anybody ever felt that way? Everybody had heard from other directions, people, God's not going to deliver you. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high, I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear. Though 10,000s assail me on every side. David knew something. He knew that even when it looks like God isn't there, God is there. 
we can rest and rise up even when the situation looks bad, he had learned. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Who promised? It's God. God promised. And he is faithful. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 6 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace, in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. How powerful is it to realize that God says even in difficulties there is hope? He has promised us a future. Paul reminds us the absolute worst case scenario is that we die and that is gain because we have eternal life with Christ. Someone may be thinking hope, hope, ah, humbug. What if, what if something bad happens? What if it does? Paul says to die is gain, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He says, I, I have a perspective that understands my future. I don't want to die, but if I do, I'm with Christ. And if I don't, I'm living for Christ. I don't have to walk around with my eyes at my feet. I can lift up and see what God is doing in this place. If you don't know that you have eternal life, then rightfully so, you may be afraid. You may say, I don't know that I have something to be hopeful about. But the Bible says you can know you have salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that Christ died on the cross and confess with your mouth that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the sin that separates you from God. I want to encourage you if you don't have that hope that comes from knowing that your sins are forgiven, you can, can end today's broadcast knowing that you have that salvation, that you have that eternal life. We're going to say a prayer. It's precisely what that verse described. And when we finish, if you say that and meet it in your heart, you are forgiven. The sin that would have separated you from God is forgiven. It's gone and you can look forward to eternity with God in heaven. If you want that, just repeat with me. Say, Dear God, I believe you died on the cross, having lived a perfect life, not deserving death. You died in my place. I accept the forgiveness of my sins that you offer. And I give you my life. I won't live to please myself anymore, but for you. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name.
Amen.